Welcome to Newspoint 360, the online news platform dedicated to making space for credible expert commentary. To see full video interviews with our guests, check out our new channel on YouTube. Newspoint 360 is supported by Expert File. Are you letting yourself get bored? If you're constantly listening to podcasts, the answer may be no. While we're living in an age of endless content, it's hard to slow down and just let your mind wander, even though the pandemic has sometimes forced us to, or at least offered the mere possibility of taking a break from our usual fast-paced lives. And if you found that the most difficult part of those early days of isolation, you're not alone. Newspoint 360 speaks with neuroscientist and senior lecturer at Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute, Dr. Alicia Wolf, about how your brain wins when you embrace boredom, even if it doesn't come naturally. So sit back, listen to this interview, and then perhaps step away from your phone or computer. We live in a hyper-connected world, tethered to multiple devices to manage our work and our busy schedules. But is technology keeping us disconnected from our creativity, our sociability? It turns out that although boredom comes with a lot of negative connotations, it can actually be beneficial to our brain health. Dr. Alicia Welf is a senior lecturer in the Department of Cognitive Science at Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute and a neuroscientist with extensive research into body, brain, and mind relationships. She's here to tell us why it's critical to let yourself be bored from time to time. Thanks, Dr. Welf. Thank you. Nice to be here. What is actually happening in our brains when we're bored? It's a really interesting question. Boredom is one of these things we all have experienced and we experience it pretty frequently. Yet on a neuroscience level, our understanding of what happens in our brain is really in its infancy where studies are coming out more and more. And what we have been finding is that the area of the brain that seems to be most engaged when we're bored is an area that is often thought of as involved in self-reflective thought. So it's an area we call the default mode network. It's a whole bunch of different brain regions, but this is the area that's often generally engaged when we're thinking um, and maybe not focused our having our attention focused on other things. Maybe even th having internal thoughts. This is often what happens when like our mind wanders. So that's the area, generally speaking, that people have seen that's maybe involved in boredom. There's not one boredom area of the brain. That's usually not how the brain is set up. Also, interestingly, this default mode network seems to be connected to our limbic region. That's an area of the brain we know, um, we generally say, hey, that's involved in emotional processing. So I think that's part of where we even have that emotional response to that feeling of boredom. Why is it that we are hardwired to resist boredom? Yeah, um, interestingly, all animals that we understand seem to experience some kind of boredom. Maybe you've seen this in your pet um, where they're not having, they can't find their toys to play with and they start showing different behaviors. We also, of course, we know this as humans and it seems to be one of those things we can't really avoid, but then it also is something that generally is negatively valenced. So we don't like it, right? It, it has this connotation of that negativity like many of our other emotions. So it seems to be this um, situation of negative feelings, but also this kind of wanting to be in a different place and that difficulty getting there. So uh, this is where we generally have that hardwired um, response that we want to avoid that condition. 
Yes, it's always looking for stimulation. But if we can step away from the stressors of our lives long enough to feel bored, what can improve? What happens if we embrace boredom? I think it's always a good thing as we're learning more and more about, again, brain-body kind of relationships to embrace some of these things that we're going to encounter. I mean, I'm a stress researcher. I've been studying stress for many years. And it's not, as much as we want to, it's not possible to just completely avoid stress. But moreover, just like boredom, we can learn from it. It tells our body, it tells our mind, hey, maybe this is a signal that whatever you're doing is not stimulating enough. Maybe if you're doing some kind of learning that maybe you need to take it up a notch and push yourself to learn something a bit harder because you're in that boredom state. Maybe you're doing something and it's just not engaging you. And again, it's the signal to be like, okay, what could I be engaged with? And you say looking inward can actually improve creativity and sociability. Yeah, so that default mode network, as much as we think about its involvement in kind of self-reflective thought, it also is involved in social interactions. That seems to be kind of part of our like quote unquote social brain. So some of that, I think that can come with boredom is you might have that internal feeling, but then you might seek out others. We're social animals, right? We're social beings. That's something that being social, having positive social relationships is one of our best ways to reduce stress. And I think also boredom. So that's one aspect of it, which makes sense in terms of the neuroscience. But then we also have this notion that, hey, when you're, in that place, you're getting that boredom signal. Again, you could take it to, I'll do a different behavior. I'll do some other action. I'll go do something around the house, let's say. Or you could also take it inward and start thinking, right? Focusing more, pushing yourself. Perhaps it's in some creative way. I'm someone that thinks everyone's creative, even though sometimes people say they're not. I know this is what our brain does. We like to create. Uh, so that's another, it's like this signal that you could use that towards pushing you towards your like creative edge, however that might come up. Well, it's not easy to turn your brain off, especially these days. What are your suggestions to shut it down? Yeah, it's really not easy because, especially nowadays, we have all had these other things that we can do all the time, and especially now with our phones or other technologies always with us. So we can always go, oh, I'm not doing something right this moment. Maybe I'll go check my social media. And we get into that pattern. But then because we get so used to it, again, when we're not pushing ourselves, we're not pushing our brain to do more, we get bored. Okay. So when we get into those patterns of doing those same things over and over again, it might be comforting because it's this pattern that we come to do very often, but we also should take a look and say, Hey, wait, maybe I shouldn't just try to engage my brain with, let's say technology is one thing. Uh, maybe I should not do something and actually spend time thinking, or maybe do some other kind of activity to really get outside of that kind of sometimes a rut that we can fall in with boredom. Well, there's a new season ahead and we may well be spending more time inside than ever before. What should we be doing to cope with boredom and tap into it in a positive way? Yeah, it's really an important question that we have right now. So in particular, in a situation like we're all in, sometimes we're in 
places that we maybe can't leave or we don't get to do the things that we might have been doing, social uh, interactions, going to different places, doing those kinds of activities. Then we have the season, which might prevent us particularly weather-wise. And one aspect of boredom that can be beneficial here is, again, to push yourself. So you might know ahead of time, hey, some of that agency or some of those choices that I might have to go do all of these things I would normally do are not here, but can I use this as an opportunity to do new things, right? Um, and I think there you'd have this longer latency if you do this new thing, a longer latency to get bored because it is new. You might find you don't like whatever hobby you pick up, but you at least tried it and you know pushed yourself out of that boredom. So I think those are generally speaking things that people can do. A lot of it's about um, I think about the mundane things we all have to do, the housework chores and whatnot. And is there ways that you can somehow make those interesting? I know this might sound strange, but, you know, um, something like when people study mindfulness, which is something that I'm really interested in, too. Part of that is doing the mundane things, but looking at it more closely. So you're washing your dishes. Think about the bubbles, feel that water and just engage in it versus thinking about, I wish I didn't have to do dishes right now. This is so boring. So again, using that signal like, hey, this is not that interesting to me. Maybe I'm getting to that negative feeling of boredom. How can I turn that around? This all comes with practice, though. So just it's not like you can just, oh, I'm just going to give up boredom because I don't like it, that often doesn't work, but to make this a practice of where your mind might go when you start to have that feeling. That's a general, uh, I think, approach that people could use, and it really can apply to anything. It's fascinating. Dr. Wolf, you make boredom anything but boring. Thanks so much for taking the time to share your expertise with Newspoint today. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to Newspoint 360, supported by Expert File, the world's largest open curated network of experts on over 40,000 subjects used by leading news organizations. Don't forget to review and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. To see full video interviews with our guests, check out the Newspoint 360 channel on YouTube. Thanks for listening.